You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Hi, everybody. I am sure that there is somebody here who is wondering why are they going back to their online church instead of being live in Barcelona Academy? Well, in case you're not here from Manila and you did not know, there is a a recent spike of infections here in the Philippines. And so we have decided as leaders, as a district and as a community that we're going to go back to our old way of doing church online. Uh, in order to protect ourselves, our servants, and all our loved ones who we come home to every single time. But I'm sure that you know many of you are, are already used to this way of doing church, and so I know it's nothing new. But if there's one message that God has been speaking, at least to me personally, because I've been speaking and having a dialogue with the Lord, complaining a little bit, you know, God, we've been enjoying a, a, a downward trend of positive uh, infections and so my family and I we were able to go out in, in, in the recent weeks you know we were able to go out to the mall to the grocery in fact we were able to visit my mom in Batanga something that we haven't done in the last few months while we were in in, 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 the, in this pandemic and then all of a sudden now we have to take a step back but you know if there's one message that God spoke to me it's the fact that there is actually a hope because we saw with our very own eyes, we tasted how it is to be able to go out and see people for the very first time after a long time. And so the hope is that we can do it again. We just need to sacrifice a little bit more. We're already close to the end, maybe. We don't know, but we're continuously praying that we're already seeing you know, the end of this pandemic to become eventually an endemic. We're praying for that. Continue to pray with me. Um, but in case hey, you were not here last Sunday, we had a wonderful New Year celebration and we want to thank all the servants who, who, who sacrificed and who risked their own safety and health in order to serve and make this event possible. But we also thank all the attendees who are so brave and courageous and, and, and believing that God is going to protect them. We want to thank everybody who supported this event, even you who attended online. Thank you so much for supporting and for being part of our spiritual family. The reason why I'm already apologizing in advance, but my voice is still uh, cracking up because I felt like you know, I blew a gasket when I was preaching. I was so excited. My energy was all over the place. And so right now I gotta take it easy with my voice. But anyway, we're online. I'm in a restful mood. I'm still wearing pajamas, although you don't see it. <laughs> I'm back to preaching in pajamas. I'm not sure if I if I should have said that, but anyway, you don't see it. So anyway, it is so good to see you again. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope and pray that this year, 2022, is going to be so much different, that you're going to start this with hope and with love and with encouragement, with, with, with a passion like no other. I want to welcome all our newcomers. If this is your first time to join Feast at Home, not just this year, but first time ever, I want to welcome you personally. After this, this we want to have a, a little gathering with you called Zumustahan. I'm going to be there. I'm now going to have time to be able to come in again and, and just greet you and welcome you along with our other servants. So please do join. We're posting the link right now in case you want to drop by. And for those of you who also want to have a conversation with us, it doesn't matter if you're a first timer, or if you're a regular timer, I want to invite you. I want to meet you and I want to greet you. A happy new year. 
personally, all right? I hope to meet you there. But also, you know, I'm sure that I know a lot of people are worried about the surge of infections happening right now. People we know of who are very close to us are becoming positive. You know, people we did not expect to become positive, they're, they're becoming positive and I'm telling you, I'm actually positive too but not that kind of positive. I'm positive that we will overcome. I'm positive that even if we get sick, we shall be healed. I'm positive that we are all protected by the blood of Jesus. I'm positive that we are, or we are and will continuously be saved by the power of Jesus' name. Type amen if you believe it. That's right. I believe that when we start our day with fear, you know what happens? You end up with anxiety stress and a really bad mood have you ever noticed that but when you start your day with faith you end up with peace and joy and a very hopeful mood and so that's what we want to happen today we want to start our day with faith we want to start it with putting God first amen somebody Anyway, I'm not going to delay it because I, I know that you guys are so excited for our talk for today. Um, we are continuing our study from the book of Matthew. And right now we are on talk number 13 of the series called The Clash. Here's our talk title for today. Write this down for those of you who want to take notes. It's called Sheeps versus Goats. That's right. So anyway, I'm sure you're ready for this. We're going to pray our favorite prayer here at the feast. Can I invite you to do that? as we signify the symbol of love in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Everybody stretch your hands out and then say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healings, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. And I want you to say this out loud. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody, can you join me? If you happen to be sitting down, can I invite you to stand up as we give honor and reverence for, to God's word. As we sing, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. May the Lord speak loud and clear over our life today to give us a word and to bless us first and foremost. I want you to welcome with love and honor, Brother Bo Sanchez. Hi everybody, I am so super happy that you have welcomed me right now in your home and in your heart. And let's agree together, okay, you and me. Let's agree together that you will be very, very, very blessed today. Not only you, but your family. Amen? Here we go. I'll, the first thing I want to do is give you a warning. Because, you know, we read a passage that seems simple and straightforward. Love the poor. <laughs> okay, you, you, want, you, you want to enter his kingdom? Love the poor. It's, it's so simple, right? What's there to complicate it? A lot. Because I'm telling you, this passage is so deep. And we're going to unpack three messages that are amazing. And I'll begin with the first one. And the first one is the most controversial. What is it? Here's the first message. First truth. You create your future. I, I, I know. It's like, what? You create your future? Yes. Because here at the feast, we don't talk about hell. 
very often. But when the passage talks about hell, we should talk about it, right? Question. A lot of people ask me this question. Would a loving God throw people to hell, to a place like that, eternal fire? It's like, it's out of character. You know, we, we, we talk about a loving God. Is God really loving if he throws people to hell? Let's discover the answer in the passage that we just read. Do you see statements of the king? You know, the passage, you know, the king was speaking to the sheep and then he spoke to the goats and there was a pattern, right? One mirrors the other. Ah, but not all the time. So whenever the pattern is broken, must be significant, right? Exactly. Example. I'll give you an example of where the pattern was not followed. When the king welcomed the sheep, he said, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. There was some type of predestination there. This was the original intent, right? But when the king talked to the goats, there was no mention of predestination. There, he did not say, inherit hell, prepared for you from the creation of the world. Um, no, no one is predestined to hell. That's the truth. Check out now what the king said to the goats. Away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. The king did not say, I curse you. No, no, no. He said, you cursed ones. He was simply describing their state. What does that mean? Who cursed them? <laughs> Question. My answer, they. They did. I do not believe, believe that God throws anyone to hell. I, I just don't. You know, sometimes when you read religious books or you listen to some preachers, sometimes you get this impression that God delights, takes pleasure in torturing people or sending people to hell. I'm sorry, that's not the God of the Bible that I read. No. May I share with you my personal belief? By the way, we can disagree, right? And still remain friends. My personal belief is that I don't believe anyone will be brought to hell, dragged to hell in chains and, and screaming, please, well, one last chance, please. No, I'm sorry. Here's my controversial belief. I do not believe God created hell. I believe that we create hell by our own decisions and that people go to hell on their own free will. You must, whoa, is, is, is that true? Can I share with you something that was shared to me by my own theology professor? He gave me this picture. He said that, you know, when we die, we're walking on the road and then we see a fork like the road breaks into two. And then there are two signposts. One says, heaven. The other says, hell. And then he says, my theology professor says, actually, we're, we're choosing. We're supposed to choose. And then <laughs> this, my classmates were just scratching their head and they were saying, Edin, lahat pupunta, heaven, udun tayo. You know, we're gonna, everybody's gonna choose heaven. And then the professor said this, my theology professor said, are you sure? Are you sure? What if a person all his life has been choosing evil? You know, all his life 
And that's what he will choose right there at that moment. Um, I'll give you another analogy, okay? When I was in high school, my, my classmates and I, we rode this old roller coaster. I'm, I'm talking about 30 plus years ago, right? And so, uh, 30 or 40, okay. Uh, 40. Sorry, sorry. You know, I thought, I, th I think I'm still young. And, and uh, young people today, they brag about the modern roller coasters and how scary they are. Like they, they rode in Disney World or they rode in Six Flags in the US or, or even the one here in Enchanted Kingdom. They'll say, oh my gosh, it's so scary now. Nothing is scarier than the roller coasters 40 years ago, believe me, because when you're riding them and then they, the, the sound, the shaking of the entire contraption, it's like the bolts are getting loose every time you speed up and then you, you're, you're just waiting for it. Will this fall apart? That's scarier, okay? <laughs> I was with two classmates of mine. One was, uh, let's call them Risky, Risky Rick and Cautious Carl, all right? And, and Risky Rick, he loves roller coasters. I mean, he, he lives and breathes roller coasters. He always wants to ride them. Carl never rode a single roller coaster. I'll tell you why. He told me this. Nung unang beses sumakay ng escalator, he got dizzy. Nahilo siya. The first time he rode an escalator in the mall, he got dizzy and he wanted to throw up. So he said, no, never. I will not ride a roller coaster. You know, it'll, I will die. But you see, teenagers, they do the craziest thing because of peer pressure. I was there on that day when Rick told Carl, convinced Carl, you've got you've to ride a roller coaster even once, okay? So they did, both of them. I was there on that day also when both of them were screaming to the top of their lungs. <laughs> Carl, um, Rick, was shrieking in delight, in pure bliss. He was in heaven. Carl was also shrieking, but like he was being tortured. <laughs> so Carl was in hell. Same ride, different experiences. My dear friends, please do not use my analogy uh, in a literal sense, okay? No, no, this is just this is just a very, very imperfect analogy to drive home a point. What's the point? That your afterlife will be a mirror of what is in your heart. Can I give you, can I, can I share this with you? I believe that a loving person will feel so at home in heaven. But a hateful, selfish person will feel tortured in heaven because he cannot stand the presence of perfect love. Do you get that? He'd rather go to hell. Which brings me now to the second message that I want to share with you today. That God will make you kings. What do I mean? I think we picture heaven this way saints sitting down on fluffy puffy clouds doing nothing but let's go back to the story let's go back to the passage the king said to the sheep come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom 
prepared for you from the creation of the world. Jesus was not only welcoming them, oh, come, come, come into my kingdom. No, he was giving them the kingdom. Jesus was making them kings. Dear friend, this is your future. Wake up. I hope you're listening. You're going to rule this multiverse as kings and queens beside God. Jesus is doing Genesis theology. He's using Genesis language where, where he is inviting humans. God is inviting humans to be his co-rulers, made in his own image to represent his compassion in this world. May I go deeper? This is a great paradox. He says that if you, if you do something for the poor, the, the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the stranger, the prisoners, you do it to him. Meaning to say all those people who are needy and suffering, they are the imago dei. They, they, they carry the, the, the presence and the, the image of God in them. But those who serve them, those who feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty and visit the, the prisoner, they represent God. They represent God's love and God's compassion. So, so look at this. Everyone is the Imago Dei, the one being served and the one serving. God carriers serving God carriers. Is your mind buffering? Mind it, okay? We're now going to the third message and I'm gonna allow now the second preacher to share this with you. Open your heart and let God speak to you. Audi Villaraza, preach away. Let's pour out our gratitude in the chat box. Everybody type in, thank you, Brother Bo. Praise God for you, brother. I hope that all of you listening to this message are, are learning from this wonderful piece of scripture. Here is a third truth that, that we're gonna preach today. Trust, judge, Jesus. Trust, judge Jesus. Let me be real honest with you. You know, I actually had a hard time wrapping all of these concepts in my head. You know, it's a little bit hard to grasp this message, but I'm glad that we're studying it because it's so rich in revelation. In fact, let's go back to our verse. Verse 31, it says, but when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the angels will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at His right hand and the goats at His left. Let me explain this for a moment. You know, back then, sheep and goats actually mingled together during the day. You know, they hung out like those little soirees where they mixed the, the Lasallians and the Athenian boys with the Polinian and the Povedan girls. <laughs> you guys remember that? They mingled with each other, but that was during the day. When it got dark, you know, the setup changed completely. The shepherds needed to separate the sheep from the goats. And the sheep were on one side of the fence, for instance. And, you know, they usually loitered around because they could withstand the cool air with their thick fur. But the goats were on the other side of the fence. And usually they were bunched up because they needed to keep themselves warm. In this passage, Jesus says that when he comes back, he says that he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Here is a really cool trivia. Did you know that sheep and goats, they looked alike? during nighttime. That's right. During the day, you could tell the difference, but at night, only a shepherd can tell them apart. What is this verse trying to say? That when Jesus comes, the great shepherd, he will be the only one to tell the difference between a sheep 
and a goat. Only Jesus will be able to tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds, between a real follower and a fake follower. And I don't know about you, but this is actually a wake-up call to me. Many of us, we like to assume that we are the sheep and not the goat. In fact, if I ask you right now to point out who the goats are in your life, you'll probably say, oh, that's easy. That's my uh, number one, my materialistic office mate. That's my homosexual neighbor. That's my cousin who likes to curse 10,000 times a day. You know, it's everybody else, but not me. That's how we are. But you know, oftentimes, that's what we do. We discount ourselves just because we can quote, you know, a few Bible verses here and there. We'd like to believe that we're the sheep. But let me remind you, the Pharisees once upon a time thought that they were the sheep too. They were Bible scholars, you know, they memorized every verse in the Bible. They thought they were sheep, but in the end, Jesus said they were the goats. They were the fake followers. They allowed their pride to blind them from seeing the truth. If we're not careful, if you're not careful, we can let our pride also blind us from looking within. You know, some of you, you're so afraid of facing the truth. So instead, what do you do? Your pride tricks you into looking at the issues of others instead of looking at your own issues. But take note, the word issue actually starts with the letter I. Why? Because every issue starts with you. That's right. That guy that you thought was a goat because he dressed differently and talked funny and kept to himself, you might be surprised. Jesus might say, oh, he's a sheep. He's actually following me. You know, you don't know. What is the lesson here? Very simple. Stop judging. Stop judging. Delegate the judgment, even self-judgment, to judge Jesus. Because only Jesus will be able to tell who is a sheep and who is a goat. There is a question that we like asking ourselves and a lot of people. The question is this, who is the greatest of all time? You know, that's a question we love asking. Who is the goat, in other words? Is it Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James for basketball? Is it Pete Sampras or Roger Federer in tennis? Is it Pele, Ronaldo or Messi in football? Or is it Steve Jobs, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos in, in the realm of business? This is a question we like asking. Who is the goat? Why? Namely because, you know, it somehow makes us feel important when we have all of these achievements. But you know what? In today's study of Matthew, Jesus actually ends this debate with a shocking truth. You need to listen to this. The greatest of all time is not a goat. It's actually a sheep. Someone who follows the shepherd, someone who follows the judge, judge Jesus. And you know, I know this idea of Jesus might, might seem you know, new to many people. Because after all, we don't encounter Jesus in the Bible as a judge. He, he, he's a shepherd. He's a healer. He, he's a restorer, a miracle worker, a redeemer, a savior, but not a judge. But you know, verse 32 says it loud and clear. That on judgment day, all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Jesus will place the sheep at his right hand in the goat's at his left hand. So there you go. You know, make no mistakes, my dear friends. Jesus one day will come to judge us on judgment day. Some of you might be receiving this as bad news. No, it's not. This is good news. You don't believe me? Okay, think about this. This is the Jesus who forgave the woman who committed adultery. 
This is the Jesus who, who dined and ate with tax collectors and prostitutes and, and, and sinners. This is the Jesus who befriended that Samaritan woman who had five husbands. So guess what? The very same Jesus who forgave and who dined and who hung out with all these sinners, he's going to be the one who will be our coming judge. You know, if there's anybody that I want to judge me, I'm glad it's Jesus. Why? Because he's a judge who loves me. Somebody type this in. I'm glad it's Jesus. I'm glad it's Jesus. You know, this passage is very controversial among evangelicals simply because it, it kind of, you know, goes against St. Paul's teaching that salvation is a result of grace and not by good works. In other words, salvation is, is something that you cannot earn by, by being good, you know, by doing good deeds. And you know what? This is true. But it's actually not the whole picture because this means that you know, for example, once I say, once I declare the book of Romans that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, then it means that I can kill my annoying friend and then still be saved. Somebody type it in. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, right? This passage is so mind-blowing because it, it actually introduces a qualifier, another qualifier to enter kingdom. Jesus asks the question, how did you treat the poor, the sick, and the prisoners? And you know, this is a common teaching in all the Gospels. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus loved to talk about how our works have consequences. So from the outside, you know, it looks like Matthew and Paul were preaching two different things. But actually, they were on two sides of the same coin. You know, they both preached the same powerful message. To be a Jesus follower... You are saved by grace, but it doesn't stop there. This grace is supposed to transform you to do good works. This is what makes you truly human. Truly human. That doesn't sound right, does it? To be, what does it mean to be truly human? I mean, how can you be more human than you are right now? Let me preach this, all right? I believe it's something we need to learn today because, you know, some of us have forgotten how it is to be human to be towards other humans. Like, for example, you know, these days when we look at other people, sometimes we don't even see them as humans. Why do I say that? Because sometimes we treat them like garbage, like objects, like enemies. Like sometimes they're not even a child of God. Like they're not a creation of God. Do you want to know what it means to be truly human? Listen to this. To be truly human is to be self-giving. To be self-giving. When you sincerely give yourself to others, you're no longer thinking of doing good because being good becomes second nature to you. It becomes your default action. You are naturally generous and patient and compassionate and sacrificial. This is what Jesus embodied. You know, doing good wasn't something that he did only on Sundays. Or something he did only because he wanted to go viral on Instagram. You know, he didn't do it to gain followers. He didn't do it to gain sponsors. No, he did it because he was good. So doing good was part of his nature. You know, goodness was naturally embedded in his CPU. Let me remind you today, just in case you have forgotten, when God created you, he made you in his own image and likeness. He installed his goodness in your operating system. He made you and then he said, it is good. 
But then through time, what happened? Your OS was exposed to all sorts of malware and, and all sorts of different viruses. So now you become this doubtful, fearful, scornful, hateful human being. But that's not how God designed you to be. Let God restart you in 2022. You know, let Him wipe away all the, all the errors that have corrupted your heart over these, these last few years. Let, let Him wipe away all the sins that have perverted your spirit. Jesus may be God, yes, but never ever forget that He was also human. And He was more human than any of us will ever be. So make it your goal to hang with Him this year. You know, let Him teach you how to be truly human. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this message. Thank you, Jesus, for this message. Let's pray. I'm going to invite you to pray and then we're going to come into worship. We want the heart of Jesus to be our heart because this, there, we live in a world that is longing to have the heart of somebody who is compassionate, somebody who is truly human, somebody who truly loves them. So let's invite the heart of Jesus to be our heart starting today. Let's come in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we want to become more like you. We want to have your compassion and your patience and your understanding. So as we open our hearts to you right now, we pray that you would walk in and change us from the inside out. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.